Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, December 30th, 2021. This is the last time I get to say 2021 in the date. And <laughs> this is Shannon. I'm here with Brooke tonight. We are recording the first 2022 episode at like almost the very last day of 2021. So we are here to talk about cults and communes and secret societies, all kinds of nice creepy things like that. Uh, we were hoping to fit this episode in er earlier in the year, but we didn't. So we are here at the very beginning of the new year to start it out, you know, nice and, and creepily. So we're going to get into the usual housekeeping information. Then Brooke will start us off. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so my first book for this evening is Sweet Justice, Last Chance Rescue, number seven by Christy Reese. And this book is, um, so to start out like this series is about an organization called last Just, last chance rescue and as the title tells you it's an organization where when something say like somebody goes missing or somebody's been captured the people will come to this organization and they will ask them to help them so i have a whole bunch of different specialties that make up this organization and this is book seven and in this book we have honor and she's a former fbi agent and then we also have seth um and so honor and seth they actually met and kind of fell in love five years previous but seth had to go into this mysterious case like he was um can't remember what city he worked for but he was a police officer and he had to kind of go undercover and so in, in doing this he had to make everybody kind of like think he was this horrible person like even his family started like thinking he was this horrible horrible person so we, now we fast forward five years and Seth is no longer part of this case and he's still kind of trying to get back to himself like he's having a rough time and his family he still doesn't have a great relationship with them but his sister calls and lets him to tell him that his niece kelly has gone missing um 
she's been taken from the college that she was at. That's where the last place that they've seen her. So knowing that Kelly needs help because he started to do some um, investigations and he's discovered that there's this like organization or cult that is taking women from the college. So he goes to Last Chance Rescue and he happens to be partnered with Honor. So Honor and him, they set up this plan where Honor is going to infiltrate the organization. So it's called Tranquility. And she's going to pretend that she's a student at the college. So that way the recruiter will kind of like find her and take her into this cult. So that's her plan. And while all this is happening, this is like a romantic suspense kind of series. So we also have this relationship that's happening between Seth and Honor. So we get to see like the troubles that they had had before. So we get to learn about this, their story, but we also get to see them kind of working through those problems and getting to a point where they trust each other again. Tranquility itself, um, as most cults, it was not a great place. Um, <coughs> they were taking women from colleges all over the country. So the FBI and all the different um, departments, they couldn't really figure out like what was going on because it was happening everywhere. So at first they actually didn't even know it was happening. But as they do more investigations, they learn that this is, that this is what's happening, that these people are taking these women and doing, like forcing them into relationships and stuff like that. So we get to see honor um, at the cult and we get to learn about the cult. And we also get to see like the whole mission and we get to see some of the characters from the former books. And it's really neat the way that the series is because you see the other characters and they all like have a purpose. It's not just like, they're meeting up at a mall. They actually have like, <laughs> they might need a specialty. So you'll see certain people come in and stuff like that. So I thought that was really neat to, to get to revisit the different characters. So I'm not gonna give up way anymore because I, I just really, really like this series. So this is Sweet Justice, Last Chance Rescue, number seven, and it's by Christy Reese. I need to check out this series. She and Laura Griffin are on my list of like romantic suspense authors to check out. Hopefully, as Who's the other the person continues. I... Laura Griffin. Oh, I've I've read some of her books too, and I really like them as well. All right. So my first pick actually came out at the beginning of 2021. So at the time of this recording, it is almost a year old. This is The Project by Courtney Summers. And I love, love, love Courtney Summers so incredibly much. She wrote Sadie, which I adore. Everyone knows that. I don't need to keep saying it, but I have to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is The Project. And it is Courtney Summers' cult book. So this is about two sisters. They're Low and B. And their parents died in a car accident. So it's pretty much them and their 
not coping super well. Lowe was really badly injured in this accident and B doesn't really know how to cope. So she joins a community known as the Unity Project. And it starts out as just kind of like most cults do, you know, they offer her that sense of family and belonging and support, all the things that are really missing in B's life after her parents died and with her sister, like so, so injured in this accident. So six years later, we meet up with Lo and she has lost contact with B. She has tried and tried to get in touch with her but no one seems to know where she is. She never answers her letters. She can't get her on the phone. She has just sort of disappeared into this unity project. And Lo is determined to figure out what has happened to her sister because it's really hard for her to believe that B would just like abandon her after everything they've been through. So she decides that she's going to start poking around in this cult. Um, She works, she's like an intern for like a news magazine. So she uses her position with this magazine to kind of start looking into the, the cult and its leader and all of the stories that people are telling, like people who were once a part of it, who have now you know, come out and they're speaking out about things that happened to them. And so she starts digging into this and trying to figure out what happened to her sister. Of course, the leader of the cult, who is this very charismatic individual, as most cult leaders are, he's not real happy about this, but he thinks that he might be able to use it to his advantage if he can sort of manipulate low to behave in certain ways. So I don't want to tell you much more than that. Um, I don't want to get into sort of his motivations for this and, and what it is that he thinks he's going to accomplish. But this is very dark and very twisty. I love that at its core, it is a sisterhood story, but it has so much more to offer as just a really stellar, twisty read. It really examines what people go through when they're traumatized and how it is that cults can kind of reel them in. So as always, Courtney Summers has done a remarkable job with this. I am always excited to see what she comes up with next. So I'm hoping that, you know, whatever she has for us in the next little while will be equally fabulous. But this is The Project by Courtney Summers. So my book is Dark Whispers, Firebrand number four by Helen Harper. So our main character's name is Emma, and she is a phoenix, which I think is so cool. I have actually read so two cool. series this um, year that involve phoenixes, and I love yes. phoenixes. I've decided that's one of my favorite uh, creatures. I love them. Phoenixes are super cool. I know. In the earlier in the earlier books in this series, you get to see her a couple times, like how she is reborn. So like, um, it won't be giving away anything, but like in the first, the very first one, you get to see her within like the first few pages of the very first book. Um, you see her wake up in the morgue. Oh. <laughs> she just like, <laughs> she just randomly wakes up in the morgue. And then as the series goes on, like you learn about 
her and about her past and stuff like that. So in this book, um, we have a paranormal summit. So all the different paranormal beings are getting together to try and figure out like how they can live with humans. Like they have decided that it's time to get together and figure out like how, how can they live side by side with humans? While this is happening, we have protesters and then we also have like reporters that are trying to talk to the different um, factions and like stuff like that. Um, in the book, we get to see some of our faction leaders. Um, Emma's love interest um, is Lord Horvath or Lucas, who is the head of the vampires. And then we've got like the different heads of the different werewolf um, factions and stuff like that. So while the, pretty much within the first, I don't know, 12 hours, I would say, of the summit, a guy is found dead. And as we get to know about this guy, we learn that he is actually the leader of, um, could be a cult, um, secret organization. I'm not quite sure how to really label it. Um, but what he's kind of doing is he's telling people that if they don't really want to be paranormal, that he can get those supernatural abilities out of them. Like he can turn Ooh. them into humans. So like people that kind of hate themselves for being um, a werewolf or a vampire, he feels that he knows that he's able to take care of this. So we get to know more about him and we get to meet some of the people that he has supposedly cured. And I don't want to give away much more because it's actually really hard, really hard not to. So I'm going to stop there. But I really enjoy the series as a whole. Um, I would definitely start in the first one, which I can't quite remember what it's called. Um, but I would definitely start at the beginning. I wouldn't just jump into number four. But this one was a lot of fun. Um, this is Dark Whispers. Firebrand number four, and it's by Helen Harper. I really like Helen Harper. I think she brings her own sort of unique flair to urban fantasy. Yeah. Um, and she's one that I really want to read more of. Um, I've only read oh. a couple of her books. My next pick tonight is the second novel from an author who does not get nearly the love she deserves. This is With You Always by Rena Olson. Um, her debut was The Girl Before, not to be confused with The Girl Before by J.P. Delaney, um, two very different books with the same title. <laughs> but With You Always is the story of Julia. And Julia has suffered kind of a yucky breakup. Um, it, kind of made her self-esteem take a nosedive and she's just kind of adrift. And then she meets this guy named Bryce and he seems to be everything that she like didn't know she needed in a companion, a boyfriend. And as things heat up really, really quickly, she starts thinking that maybe he will even be her husband and that this will sort of be the answer to all of her problems. 
Bryce is the member of a pretty close-knit church. Um, his father, or at least the man that he considers to be his father, and there's a whole sort of backstory there that I'm not going to get into about how Bryce um, knows these people and whether they are or aren't his family. Um, the man that he considers to be his father is like the pastor of this church. And they're, they're very, very close. When Julia first is introduced to them, she starts to think that maybe this can be the community that she needs. And maybe all the things that have gone wrong in, wrong in her life, like the struggles that she's having with her job and her lack of self-esteem, sort of this weird kind of tension that she senses between her and her sister, like maybe all these things won't really matter once she becomes a full-fledged member of this church. So as you can tell from what I'm saying, this is not like destined uh, to go anywhere good. But Julia, of course, doesn't know this. And so she falls deeper and deeper sort of into this trap that this church is weaving around her. Because what seems like this wonderful community is actually kind of a prison or a cage. Oh. And eventually she is faced with no choice but to try to escape. And I don't want to tell you why or how, but it's a really, really difficult thing for her to figure out. Like she doesn't know who she is without Bryce and this like web that he's woven around her. Um, Rena Olson, as I said, a lot of people don't know about the two books that she's written. She, I don't know. It's like, she's, she's very, very good at what she does, but she just hasn't gotten a lot of attention. And I really hope that changes because I'd love to see more from her. But this is With You Always by Rena Olson, and I highly, highly recommend it. I will definitely be adding it to my yes. TBR list. I have not read it. Yes, and you should also check out um, The Girl Before, which is her debut. So my next book was recommended to me by Shannon. It's The Collective by oh. Allison Galen. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and our main character's name is Camille. And about five years previous, her daughter was found dead. When we like join her in the book, she's at this like award ceremony for her daughter's killer. Um, Harrison is being awarded an award. And She's not happy about this because she feels that he got away with murder. Like he got, he got, he got to do nothing. And it really bothers her that his parents think he's this amazing person and that their college thinks he's amazing and all this stuff. And like this thing happens at the ceremony and there's a video that goes viral. And we all know that when that happens, nothing goes well with that. No. Um, no. So she is a, um, a web designer. And when this video goes viral, she, started, she starts having some difficulties um, with her customers. And she's kind of doing her thing, trying to figure it all out. And while she's out one day, this woman comes upon her 
and gives her a note. And on the note is the name of an organization. And she starts learning about this organization. And she learns about, learns it's this like group of mothers, of people, um, so a group of mothers who child, whose children have been killed in different ways and who want revenge on their killers or at least the people that they feel killed their children. So as she gets deeper into it, like when she first starts, she's kind of like, is this serious? She just kind of, she's cheering everyone on and kind of giving suggestions. Like um, in this Facebook group, they'll be like, oh, I think that my daughter's killer should get this and have this happen and that happen. And all the women are all cheering each other on and giving even like more gruesome suggestions. So she ends up kind of connecting with the leader of this organization called the, that we call the collective. And they start giving her, they start asking her questions about like, what would you like to happen to Harrison? And like, what would be like the best kind of like ending? And what would you do in order for this to happen? And as she kind of gets talking to the leader more and more, they start giving her like missions where she has to go out and do this thing. It's like her very first mission is to go out and to buy um, a hunting knife and to mail it to some random address. So she thinks it's kind of a joke. So she just, she does it. She follows, they give her lists like step-by-step. And I think it was like seven different steps that she had to follow. And so she follows all the steps. And then she starts doing other little missions. And as we get to learn more and more about the collective, we learn that there's a bunch of women, they call each other sister. And they all kind of do some part of kind of the revenge against another, a person. And it's never like revenge against the specific person that wronged their, like their family member. And as we get deeper and deeper into the collective, she starts realizing that, oh my God, they're serious. And like, am I okay with this? But at the same time, she's like, well, how would I, like, how do I, like, I think she keeps thinking about, like, how does she feel about this? I really, really, really loved this book. It was like, I would have to say it was like, it was kind of wild, but at the same time, like, so good. I really liked the um, relationship that she had with Luke, um, the, uh, recipient of her daughter's heart it made me kind of wonder like could I ever or would I ever want a relationship like that with somebody who got like an organ from one of my family members it kind of got me I don't know why I thought about that but it kind of got me thinking because I kind of in some ways I kind of thought the relationship was a little strange But then in other ways, I thought it was kind of cool. And like, I really, really loved how Luke truly, truly did feel like 
a kinship with Camille. So I'm going to leave it there. But like this book was so funny. Um, I'll mention that there's some stuff about the Bachelor show, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and like just some of the things that happened, I was like, OMG. So this is The Collective. <laughs> And it's by Allison Galen. I really like Allison Galen. Um, she has like some really twisty thrillers. I think this one is probably the wildest in terms of like, you know, something that you, you couldn't really get behind in real life, but is pretty cool in fiction. So my next pick tonight is actually a series and it is the Sacramento series by Karen Rose. I finished the last book um, not too long ago, and I'm so sad that it's over. Of course, as always happens with Karen Rose, you know, I'm sure we'll see these characters again in, in some way, but I really enjoyed the Sacramento series. So it starts out with Say You're Sorry, and there are, are three books in total. But Say You're Sorry starts out with a serial killer who is targeting women as you know often happens in romantic suspense and thrillers. And when he kills them, he carves letters into their bodies. So he grabs a woman named Daisy Dawson and he figures like this is gonna be his next victim. He's pretty excited about this, but he gets more than he bargained for with Daisy because she's able to fight him off and he doesn't expect that. So not only does she fight him off, but she manages to grab this locket from around his neck. And because of this locket, the FBI now sort of knows a little more than they did about who this person is and what might be motivating them. So the special agent who kind of teams up with Daisy here is a man named Gideon Reynolds. And Gideon has kind of a dark and troubled past. Um, he and his sister escaped from a cult many, many years ago. And the cult is still going on. It's, it's in hiding. Um, people, you can hear kind of whispers about it every now and then, but no one has ever really been able to track down the place where it is or to get a good sense of who's involved in it and what they can do to sort of bring it to a close. But now Gideon starts to wonder if this serial killer who went after Daisy might somehow be linked to the cult known as Eden that he dealt with, you know, as a child. So he starts looking around, trying to find out information. And of course, this brings him to the attention of some not so great people who have always believed that Gideon died. Now that they know that he didn't, um, very bad things are about to happen. So this goes on for three books. I was so excited because one of the um, supporting characters in this book is Tom, who we met a long, long time ago when I first started reading Karen Rose. Um, he was the son of the heroine in Don't Tell. And now he's all grown up. He eventually gets a book of his own. And I really loved how he, you know, fit into this series and helped 
Gideon and his sister Mercy and all kinds of other victims of Eden find justice. So this is the Sacramento series. It starts out with Say You're Sorry, and I highly recommend it. It's just so incredible as pretty much anything Karen Rose writes is. So my next book is also a series and it's a long running series like the Karen Rose one. This is Faithless in Death, in Death number 52. Hear that guys? Oh, yes. 52. And there is actually one book already after that. And there's one coming in like just over a month. February, yeah. Like when this series ends, there's going to be so many sad, sad people. So this book true. is <laughs> so this book is by JD Robb, which is a pseudonym for a lot of our favorite author, Nora Roberts. So in this book, our usual detectives, Eve Dallas and her partner, Delia Peabody, have been called out to the scene of a woman who's been murdered. Her name is Ariel. She's, she's an artist. And she's been brutally murdered. murdered. So... As they kind of like look into this, they the first place they go is they go to the woman who called the um, the murder in. So the, her name is Gwen, and she was very very close friends um, slash intimate friends with Ariel, and. As Eve is listening to Gwen tell her story of discovering Ariel, there's a lot of holes in her and Delia. They're like, they're constantly questioning. They're like, there's something wrong with this story. Like, first of all, when they look at like the different, um, what do you call them? Like videos of where she's been. So like the video of her walking into her condo and like different stuff like that. Just the way that she looks, she just looks way too put together. Like her eyes aren't dilated. Um, She doesn't look like she's in a panic. She more looks like she's calculating. And as we get to know Gwen more, we find out that her family is part of a cult called Natural Order. They believe that races should not mix. Um, They believe that we should only be women women with men, um, no same-sex partners, which is a problem. Because Gwen, in order to be accepted by her family, she has to marry a man. And that's not what she wants. That's no good. But like all of her life, she's kind of been having to calculate how to get around her parents' rules. And we get to meet some of her, like her past, I'll call them victims, because they really are. Her past victims um, in trying to get around her family's rules. And we learn more about the cult 
Um, Gwen's family, they're just like members of this cult. There's all there's this leader, and he's a very charismatic leader, as all cult leaders are. And we get to meet his daughter and how like she's kind of like the planner and she keeps things kind of running. She's like the manager of the house and stuff like that. And when Eve and Delia, they go to the like the compound. You kind of get to see all the different races and how they each have jobs. So like, um, I think there's like some Spanish people. And of course, they're like the gardeners or like the people that are driving people around. Um, we get to meet some women that you can very clearly tell they're not wanting to be there. So while Eve is sitting there talking to the leader and his daughter, a woman, she drops like this twisted little piece of paper into Eve's lap. So quickly Eve sticks in her pocket. And when her and Peabody leave, she takes it out of her pocket and the woman has written her name and as Peabody kind of looks into it, we realize that all of her information has been wiped. So, of course, that's pretty suspicious. So, we kind of get more investigations into this cult and, like, what's going on and stuff like that. And Eve, with her past that you learn in former books, she really can't just leave these people where they are like like the people no. that don't want to be there like she can't just kind of turn her back on people even though the leader kind of makes it look like they're all fine and at the same time she's kind of wondering like how deep is this all going with Gwen so we find out with Gwen back when she was like a teenager she had a she had her first same-sex relationship and they sent her, like, one of the people kind of tattled on her. And she gets sent for re, um, was it realignment. Oh. Yeah. So she obviously doesn't want this to happen again. And so that's why she kind of gets really calculating over her lifetime. And we get to meet her um, fiancé of the time. And we get to see the story of them. And then we see that Eve's boss ends up having like to call in like the FBI and Interpol and we get to learn like their different parts. And I just love the way the whole team works together and how we get to see the characters from the different books from place to place. And you get to like see the relationship between Eve and her husband Rourke and how they're developing and stuff like that. I just love revisiting all these characters like twice a year I look forward to it so much so this is Faithless in Death in Death number 52 and it's by J.D. Robb so there's still Interpol in like 2061 or wherever we are now yeah um, from the FBI <laughs> I know that some things funny? change and, and a lot of things stay the same. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> All 
right. So I am changing things up a little bit. Um, as we know, cults don't only exist in fiction. So I am going to talk about a book that I read really recently. This is Sex Cult Nun, Breaking Away from the Children of God um, by Faith Jones. And this is, as I say, a memoir. It's written by a woman who it turned out to be the granddaughter of the founder of the Children of God, a man who decided to call himself Moses David. <laughs> and <laughs> he apparently founded this cult in like the late 60s. And it's, it's no good. Um, it is at its core a sex cult, although you wouldn't necessarily know it from the way people describe it. So Faith, who is um, the author, was born into a missionary family. When she's four years old, her family is in China and they are forced to leave the city where they live and go into this really remote rundown village where they're now in hiding. And you don't fully understand at first why they're in hiding because you know Faith is a child. So her knowledge of this is pretty limited, but they are apparently hiding from enemies of this cult. And as Faith grows up and her experiences deepen and richen, you kind of understand more about what these people believe. And they very firmly believe that anything done in love is okay. Now you can say that a lot of things are done in love, even if they're not. Um, and this is a this is a problem because this cult basically promotes the sexual abuse of children. It also, I'm going to say strongly encourages women to participate in something that they call flirty fishing or FFing. And this is where it's a silly name, but it's like a terrible thing um, that happens because it basically means that women who are in the cult meet up with sort of rich, powerful men outside the cult. And they talk to them about Jesus, flirt with them, reel them in um, through sex, and basically get them to sort of give money to what they consider like their good works. And, you know, it, it's hard because a lot of the works that they, they do are, are not bad. Like some of the, the missionary stuff they do, like the cleanup that they help with in some of these villages. Um, you know, the, the things that they provide are definitely needed by some people, but this is not necessarily the way to go about this. So Faith grows up in a polygamous family. Um, her father has two wives and she learns kind of all these things about herself and her family. She never met her grandfather even though her grandfather is the founder of this group, he is also in hiding. Everyone is always hiding because your, your enemies are, are plentiful. 
And he communicates with his members by these things that he calls the Mo letters. And he writes <laughs> them, yeah, they're, you know, you don't have very like original names here. They're um, pretty entertaining names. Yes, the Mo letters. And the Mo letters are basically his beliefs about life, religion, the world. Um, it was interesting to me because the author is just a few years older than I am. And so she grew up, you know, in the 80s and 90s. So it was the belief of Moses David that the world was going to end in 1993. Fortunately, it didn't. Um, but it was really weird to see like the way that I was growing up in the 80s and very early 90s obviously not knowing that the world was supposed to end and the way faith grew up just a few years older with such wildly different experiences. So this is sex cult nun breaking away from the children of God, a wild and radical sex cult. Um, I will say this is this is a hard read. It doesn't shy away from talking about abuse and both, you know, mental and physical abuse as well as sexual. So it's it's a hard read, but very insightful and worth your time if you're in a space where you can do that. Interesting. Yes. So my next book is The Husbands by Chandler <laughs> Baker. And this as well was recommended to me by Shannon. So in this book, our main character is Nora and her and her husband, Hayden, they are looking for a new home, um, a bigger home, because Nora is pregnant with her second child, or I should I say their second child. So they go and they check out this neighborhood called Dynasty Ranch. And while doing this, she meets the women of this neighborhood. And we've got like, a, I think there's a neurologist or um, there's a psychologist. Like there's all these like high powered women. And as you get to know this neighborhood, you kind of notice that the men are doing all of the like the traditionally female jobs so they're taking care of the kids they're cooking for their women they're cleaning and like Nora like she is having a really rough time like she's a lawyer and her husband also has a pretty good job and he really doesn't pull his weight and it's really hard for her because she's trying to make partner, but at the same time, she's, has, she's raising their four-year-old daughter. So they're, she's having to like make her lunches. At the same time, she's trying to like investigate these cases and all this stuff. Well, she's called by the women of this neighborhood. And one of them, her name is Penny. Her husband tragically died in a house fire and she wants Nora to put together a case of wrongful death 
So Nora gets a fire investigator and they do their thing. And we learn more about the fire and we learn more about the neighborhood. And we also learn, we kind of get more involved. So one of the um, women of the neighborhood, as I was saying, she is a psychologist and she has offered to do family counseling or couples counseling with Nora and Hayden. Um, And it's kind of an interesting counseling that they do. Like in one situation, they're both hooked up to like uh, lie detector tests. Like how many counseling things do you go to and get hooked up to one of those? I don't know. Or in another situation, they both have to like run on this treadmill. So this woman has these really odd things that she's doing. And a few times, Hayden is like kind of hooked up to these different machines. And Camille is noticing that the woman is paying a lot more attention to Hayden. So he's almost like he's getting all the right answers. And like, Nora wants to know, like, what am I doing wrong? So I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to give it away. Because there's like this, as they kind of like, so we learn more about that. We also learn more about the fire. And as we learn more about the fire, we learn more about this neighborhood. And I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to give away anything. But it was so good. I loved it. Um, This is the husbands and it's by Chandler Baker uh Chandler Baker I didn't want to give away anything it's hard some some books are hard to talk about I think that's true and Chandler Baker you know she does a lot of like really intense stuff that would be really easy to to give away so my next book is The Poison Garden by Alex Marwood. And this is, I believe, her fourth book um, and my favorite of them all. So this is the story of Romy. And Romy is 22, she's pregnant, and she's on her own. And she has recently escaped the cult she was raised in. And when the book first starts, like you don't have a lot of information about the cult. You know, obviously, just because it is a cult, that it's not a good situation for the people who live there. But you don't really understand much about like what they believe, how the cult works, um, because Romy is pretty focused on creating a new life for herself and her unborn child. So she's really like pushing forward, trying hard not to think about her, her past and not to really face the trauma that she suffered because of the, you know, her membership in the cult. So she is living on her own, like for the first time. And that's really hard for her, even though she doesn't always want to admit that she's struggling. But as it gets closer to the time where she is, you know, going to give birth, she starts asking herself a lot of questions about her family and like why her mother sort of drew them into this cult and eventually like ran away from them. Like what, what is, 
what's going on? What makes people do the things they do? And how can she, as a mother to be, keep from repeating some of these like same mistakes? So this is a thriller, but it's also kind of a, a meditation on motherhood and family and why people do things they do, especially like the choices that we don't really understand, like what makes good people make bad choices and why do people fall into some of these fringe groups when for all intents and purposes, like they, they don't fit the sort of stereotypical idea of, you know, who we think of as a, as a cult member. Um, there's a lot to unpack here and a lot that I could tell you, but that I think would ruin what this story has to offer. So instead, I will just recommend that you pick up The Poison Garden by Alex Marwood. So my last book is Hanging Falls, Timber Creek Canine Mystery, number six, by Margaret Mizushima. I apologize if I said that wrong. So our main character's name is Maddie, and her canine partner's name is Robo. And there's been a lot of rains in the Colorado high country. So her and her friend, who also has a dog named Moose, they're out looking at the trails and kind of kind of figuring out what kind of damage has been done. And while they're doing this, Robo alerts to something. So Maddie tells them to go search. And I love the technical stuff that they talk about and like the training that she does with her dog and like the different equipment. I love how, um, cause like with our dogs, they know what they're doing based on what they're wearing. And like, so I think it's so cool how um, the author has brought this into the book and how like when Maddie wants her, him to investigate, to look for like drugs, he'll just wear a collar. Um, when, so like now he's kind of like, kind of searching. So he, she puts on his harness and gets him to go off and search. And he brings her to a body, the body of a man. And he's trapped amongst some logs at the edge of the lake or river, sorry. And she kind of goes in to figure out, like, is he still alive? She goes and checks. And she sees that the word pay is written, is kind of carved into his body. So as she's investigating, this brings her and her team close to this new religious cult that has cropped up in their area and they're um, a polygamous cult and they dress like they're from the 19th century um, and they kind of do some like different things from that era and we find out how this man whose body has been found is connected to this whole cult As I said, this book is number six. So we also get to see 
um, learn more about Maddie's past. And we also get to see her, um, her boyfriend, Cole, who's a vet, which again, I think is really cool how she's so, the author has really kind of gone into depth on the vet, the veterinary side of things. Um, I did some reading and her husband is actually a vet. So I think he's the one that helps her with that part of the whole story. And so Cole does a lot of helping Maddie with um, like the search, like the um, retrieval part of things. So you get to see him like riding his horses through the mountains, which I think is so cool. Um, they have a, he, one of his horses names is Mountaineer, which I think is so neat. Um, we get to see in the book how their relationship has developed. And we also get to see some interesting developments for Robo. And I can't give away any more because as I said, it's book number six. So if I say too much, I'll spoil the beginning. But I love, love, love this series. It's so accurate, at least I feel, in terms of the different training that is done with the dog and like how she, how the dog works himself. And I really like, as I said, the veterinary side of things. So this is Hanging Falls, Timber Creek Canine Mystery, number six, by Margaret Misashima. This is a series that I really want to read. Um, I bought the first one like a long time ago, and I have not read it, but I need to. So my last book tonight is a debut novel called The Tribes. It's by Mari House, And it is a dual point of view kind of legal thriller about, of course, a cult. So it takes place in a small town in Vermont. And one night there is this 911 call reporting the death of a newborn baby. There's a lot of questions surrounding this as the investigation goes on but it becomes pretty clear to the police that this woman named Heather is responsible for the baby's death. And Heather is kind of on the outs with her family. She's been a member of this fringe religious community known as the Messiah's tribe for quite a while. And her family doesn't know a lot about like, what's been going on with her. They're not really even sure, you know, was this her baby? Like, how did it die? Um, if she killed it, like why? And so she's, they're not really sure, like if they want to play a part in, in defending her against this, this crime that she's been charged with. So Abby is a lawyer and she agrees kind of to the consternation of the people that she works with to defend Heather. And she has a lot of secrets of her own, um, a lot of reasons for deciding to do this that people don't really know about and that you as the reader won't know about right away. So for a while, you too will have these questions like, you know, what, what is kind of drawing her into this case? So as she's working to defend Heather, she realizes that pretty much the deck is like stacked against her and has been from the beginning. So she's trying to figure out why at the same time that she's trying to figure out 
whether Heather really is or isn't responsible for the death of her child. And if she is, is this something that Abby wants to be a part of, like her defense? Um, Again, I'm not going to tell you much more than that because I don't want to spoil things. This is very intense. It's one of those books, I say this quite a bit, I think, but whenever I say it, I feel like it's it's deserved. It's one of these books that you read where it's very hard to believe that this is someone's first novel. It's just so, so engrossing. So this is The Tribes, and it is by Mari Howes. And that brings us to the end of our cultish episode. Thanks so much to Brooke for pulling this together with me as our first episode of 2022. Thanks as always goes out to Christine for all of her editing genius. And we thank each and every one of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.